0: Welcome to Start Dakota, a show by Startup Sioux Falls where we dispel misconceptions about starting a business, uncover unique challenges faced by founders, highlight today's problem solvers, and build a stronger startup community for tomorrow. This project is powered by the SBA. Now, here's your host, Brian Maynard.
1: Hello, and welcome to our show. I'm Brian Maynard, Executive Director of Startup Sioux Falls. And we are talking to spoke organizations that are part of our SBA Community Navigators grant. And I have the pleasure of speaking with Paula Jensen today, who is with Dakota Resources. Thank you for being here today, Paula. Oh, thanks, it's a great honor. All right, well, tell us a little bit about you to start and how
2: you got into your role at Dakota Resources. Sure, so um, my name is Paula Jensen, and I, I grew up on a farm in Marshall County. Uh, Langford was a community I grew up in, and that's just embedded in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so. After I graduated from college, my husband and I went back to our hometown, and he started a business. And we've owned an auto repair shop for about 30 years, and we've raised our three sons mm-hmm. in, in our hometown, which is exciting. And they've all three now moved back home as oh. adults. So I, Every I, mother's I, dream, right? It is. It is. <laughs> and so I have this, um, rural is really my passion, and it intersects in my professional and my personal life life so I you know that didn't really hit me until I was probably in my 30s that that rural is where I need to be working Mm -hmm. and um, even though I lived there right Um, so I worked for a nonprofit prior to uh, coming to Dakota Resources and I had seen Dakota Resources out there working with communities and I just felt like that's where I need to be right there Mm -hmm. in communities helping them build capacity and, you know, to get access to capital to do the things that yeah. they want to do in their yeah. communities. So, awesome, yeah. and what is your role? So I'm vice president of program development. Wonderful. And I do community coaching.
1: And of course, everything else that comes under the <laughs> nonprofit umbrella, <laughs> That's right? That's
2: exactly right, whatever.
1: I also have to ask you, are you handy? Can Do you work on the
2: cars as well? Um, so I have, yep. but uh, I kind of leave that to the experts in my family. So my husband's a mechanic. My oldest son is an engine builder mm-hmm. and has started his own business as well. And and my youngest son's an airplane mechanic. Oh, my goodness. And my middle son, he drives semis. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got some entrepreneurs in the family as well. Absolutely. So, yep. but But
1: those particular skills, I feel like, are... I don't want to say scarce, but it's something we really need to focus on in the future yeah. um, when we think about entrepreneurship, especially. You know, I think again, a lot of people don't identify as entrepreneurial because they think that they have to be in tech or biotech or right. you know something along those lines. But really, yep. you know, these these trade skills are are what is needed. I'm assuming, in rural communities more than anything else.
2: Yeah, we talk about that all the time because, you know, uh, whether it's contractors or mechanics, what are those basic needs that we have to have in our communities? So, you know, plumbers and electricians and um, mechanics, uh, builders, those types of people. And so the trade schools are providing a real value Absolutely. to our state when it comes to that. I mean, healthcare fields, when mm-hmm. I mean, you think of all of those things that um, we need our kids to come back and to be entrepreneurial yep. and to to provide our communities with what they need.
1: Our city kids take that stuff for granted, I will yeah. say. Like it's
2: always there. Right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. just go
1: down the street and there's a, a shop.
2: Right, so we had a housing gathering this week, Dakota Resources did yep. in Lemon, and one community stood up and said, we just don't have contractors. like." We um, need to build houses, but we don't have anybody who can do cement work. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah, right. Th-
1: there's a problem across the, the, the yeah. nation right now with yeah. a, a shortage. But yeah. yeah, what do you do? Yeah. Exactly. Roll but, up your own sleeves.
2: That's exactly right. I always do believe though those kids that are going to trade school. Yep. Um, I wish that they would teach them some business skills yeah. along with it. So I have a degree in accounting. Okay. And so I kind of have this underlying passion for. For that kind of business skill, right? Like know your numbers, know how to be a business person if you're going to run a business. My husband is a, an incredible mechanic; mm-hmm. he is a poor businessman, <laughs> um, and they need those kind of skills. So, yeah. as I see my my sons now stepping into yeah. um, starting their own businesses, the same thing, they, right? They need those skills, and
1: I think that's maybe one of the barriers to entry of of deciding that you want to start something yeah. because you're one human being and you can't, it, it, it's an anomaly when you find somebody who's got all of the skills that it takes to run a business. Right. Um, co, you know, finding a co-founder is, is what we typically recommend. Right. Um, so I know that Dakota Resources has had some history with trying to bolster the uh, entrepreneurial communities yeah. in, in rural uh, cities. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with, it was called Dakota Rising, correct?
2: The Dakota Rising Fellowship Program. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so it started uh, somewhere around 2009. They piloted it, uh, I think in five different regions of South Dakota. Um, At that initial point when they started it, it was heavily focused on working with the community Mm -hmm. to develop a resource team on the ground before, even working with an entrepreneur. So Ah. they really trained up those communities and their resource teams to um, build the kind of support in the community that was needed Mm -hmm. so that when they were ready with a pipeline of entrepreneurs and putting entrepreneurs through the program, Mm -hmm. that then they would feel supported, they would have access to resources that they needed, and that there was just this real community ecosystem within that community. Falkton was one community who has done it well. And um, so they put 11 people over the course of the decade that Dakota Rising was going through the program. Mm -hmm. And they weren't one of the first communities. They came in a little bit later. Um, But those 11 entrepreneurs in their community are still, um, they're part of that market economy Mm -hmm. and they're part of that civic economy. That's
1: great. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what we're ultimately trying to do as an organization, is giving people the tools they need to succeed and letting them run with it. And that's really the beauty behind this Community Navigators pilot program and my from my purview and and our you know hesitation um with trying to expand our reach is that we feel ill-equipped because we don't have the relationships and i think a lot about and i know this isn't always the case but the big city folks coming into the rural communities that that can cause a little bit of tension i would assume where i don't know your market um i i can only give you what what i have available so I, I love that we're partnering together. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, the, the from your lens, like what it what it's like to try to work, you know, work across the state with partners um, that are in the big cities versus rural. Is there is there tension there, or is it just kind of made up?
2: So from our perspective, th- there's a whole lot to learn yeah. from from what Sioux Falls and Rapid City are doing and scaling it to our communities. Yep but there is that tension it does exist in our small towns when people say we don't want to hear anymore about all the great things that are happening there and and they really sometimes uh, frame it from a a lack of approach right like we lack the resources to do what sioux falls or rapid city is doing we lack this we lack the leadership and there is a bit of truth to that. Sure, they are underserved and underrepresented in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, yet, they really have the answers right mm-hmm. there in their own community, and that's our job right. is to help them discover that they do have the answers. So, when you see small communities finally figuring out the housing solutions mm-hmm. and and identifying that for them, like this has been a problem in your town for 10 years. Now you finally figured it out because you brought the right partners to the table and, and right. And you found the power within yourselves Mm -hmm. to make it happen. So that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, that has to be a fulfilling role. It is. It's really exciting work. Awesome. It's exciting. Like what you hear so far, make sure to never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Now back to the show.
1: So having done, you know, gone through the Dakota Rising program and now pivoting into this pilot program, um, you've had the opportunity to just barely dip your toe into the CoStarters Accelerator platform. Um, What are your initial thoughts um, regarding the, the program itself? Um, how you're you're thinking about implementing this into these communities that have already had a program you know come and went mm-hmm. um, obviously you've learned from that you know what wh- what's your what's your approach moving forward? yeah,
2: so I think one of the key things that we did with our Dakota rising fellows was to put them into cohorts, mm-hmm. which was really um, so they were diverse in in their fields, mm-hmm. they were diverse in where they came from. Yep. Um, I remember one of the entrepreneurs saying, I run a manufacturing business. Like, why are you putting me in a cohort <laughs> with somebody, you know, who runs a photography studio? We have nothing in common. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take them long to discover they had everything in common. Yeah. Um, business is business. Yeah. And that's what I love about uh, CoStarter, yeah. is that it is that cohort mentality where they can be together with their peers they can learn from each other they can connect um and and that it builds it builds that ecosystem and then they get excited about their businesses they become successful and they want to give back to their communities and then along with it right that you're building up that community support Mm -hmm. and that really a culture of entrepreneurship in our mm-hmm. in our towns. What would that do yeah. for our youth in the future?
1: Yeah. Um, so I've been with the Startups Who Falls ecosystem for three years now, trying to kind of rebuild in a way where pandemic hit, mm-hmm. remote work came about, you know, and the landscape has completely changed as far as the needs of, of entrepreneurs today. Have you seen that same uh, resurgence of of interest in, in rural communities? And can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic has affected businesses in rural communities?
2: Yeah, so as far as the resurgence of entrepreneurship, I think people are um, more apt to want to pick where they live Mm -hmm. before what they do. Ah. So they may come back home, they may find a small town Met a young man in Lemon just Mm -hmm. the other night, and he grew up in Illinois. He went to school in Georgia, and he's landed in Lemon. And I said, you know, that's interesting. Like, what brought you here? And he's an entrepreneur. He's doing his own thing there. He just said, I love this place. And he and his wife are both there and they're creatives and they're working with John Lopez at the, at the Kokomo Gallery. Nice. And they're permanent there, but they picked first where they wanted to be and then they created uh, their business. What are the
1: odds?
2: Yeah, so that's really cool. And so people who have not come from here are finding this place to live and uh, people who grew up here are coming back mm-hmm. and then discovering what it is they want to do. And yeah, they're, they're working in their homes doing businesses. You might not see them on a storefront,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but they're, they're making it work. They're,
1: mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what do we attribute this to? You know, I, I realize that people have a, a Google machine at their fingertips, but I, I have to believe that the tourism industry, and we have a strong one here in the state, okay. play a role in the bolstering of, of the entrepreneurial community because like you just said they're looking for a place to live before they decide you know how they're going to launch their their ventures in some cases but can you, are you involved in the tourism industry at yeah. all on the state and yeah. and you know how is that affected
2: yeah you know, it it really does i uh, so tourism in in rural communities come, come from a different aspect a lot of mm-hmm. times it's hunting fishing yeah. recreation those types of things that Um, are really tourism bound. Um, You think of DeSmit as a real tourism community, right? Little Town on the Prairie, they've been attracting people from all over the world Mm -hmm. into their community for years. And um, it it does, it's it's part of that market economy that it, it is bringing people here. They discover it, the safety of where we live is a big factor. Mm-hmm. Um, our education systems, right? People want their kids to experience uh, a small school yeah. um, and be able to do all the things, right? To be in the band, and on the football team, and you know, volunteer in their community. They want all of those things for their kids, and that's what you can have access to. Yeah. You can truly. It's a. It's a overused. Um, phrase to live uh, work and play right. but it's true yeah. right and you can shop and you can right you can do lots of things it's interesting like
1: that this whole chicken or the egg thing like are we we're building up an entrepreneurial community to help bolster our cities but is that coming from the influx of of interest in people moving into the communities or do we need to you know, we've we've continued to build it from within obviously, but it takes sometimes it takes an outside perspective and that new guard to come in with fresh Mm -hmm. ideas to really Kind of liven things up, if you will. Like I think about the resurgence of downtown Sioux Falls, Mm -hmm. that that happened because we got new blood in, Um, and I'm not saying that the old guard wasn't you know integral to that process because they were. But I think that also causes some tension in in Main Streets across the United States where we've always done it this way, and you know it's there's these coveted shops, um, and then you've got somebody new, flashy coming in with a new idea. How do you how do you meld all of that together? How do you how do you get through the the muck and the tension and start rebuilding and resurging a, a town?
2: Yeah, we we start with conversations. Yeah. when we go into communities, it's really it's really about bringing people to the table who who have differing opinions mm-hmm. about what are we going to do
1: right.
2: about the future of our community. You know, CoStarters talks about that roadmap, mm-hmm. right? Creating a roadmap. Um, rebuilding a downtown or rebuilding a community around entrepreneurship yeah. needs a roadmap. You, you don't get the chance to go back and do it over again. You're just constantly moving forward, and you have to really um, be strategic about that as you move forward. Mm-hmm. I think about small communities and larger communities that are um, really refocusing on rebuilding their downtowns, mm-hmm. and that happens through entrepreneurship. Absolutely, um, it does. Whether it's Aberdeen or Centerville, right? They're discovering what does our community need? What do we need to um, jumpstart that? And in mm-hmm. both those cases, um, so Aberdeen has a, a group of investors that have raised $250,000, they're buying downtown buildings, they're taking control of the real estate, they're putting facades and, and roofs on those buildings, and then they're saying, imagine your business here. Mm-hmm. And it's working, right? It's working, and it's kind of creating this culture. And now there's downtown living, and there's all those things that kind of makes it a place to be, similar to downtown Sioux Falls. We've mm-hmm. seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Centerville, the same way, right? A few years ago, they said, what do we need in our community? Well, we need... You know, we need a restaurant and we need a hair salon and we don't really have anywhere to like shop for clothes and we don't have a hardware store. Well, since then they've created most of those things in their main street and um, where before there was like the grocery store and they had that niche shop, the Royal Bakery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just reopened on Tuesday. They usually take the first three months of the year off. Sure. They're getting older. Nice. Good um, Tuesday morning they opened up. Uh, Jared got there at seven thirty to pick up some donuts. Uh, he'd sold out by seven thirty in the morning in Centerville. Eight hundred and sixty-four donuts he'd made and sold out <laughs> in Centerville. Right, a town of nine hundred people. Unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. Um, so we have those long-lasting entrepreneurs who don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. Right. We talked about that a little bit yesterday, that, uh, that word entrepreneur, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's, it's still a word way. that needs, um, some support out there. And, uh-huh. and so by saying founders, co-starters, sometimes we just call them small business, small owners, business owners, right. Yep. If that's the language we need to use, but how do we bring that word entrepreneur alive? Yep in our rural communities across the state to help them discover that anything's possible. Absolutely.
3: Hey, this is Jeff Hayward with Startup Sioux Falls. Welcome back to the Co-Starters Challenge, a recurring segment where we'll provide some tips for launching or growing your startup, as well as an action that you can take called fieldwork. Today's segment, know your customer. In our last episode, we introduced you to the Co-Starters Business Model Canvas, a free tool that you can use to think through key aspects of your business or idea. Your fieldwork was to download and complete the canvas for your startup. The link is in the episode description if you're just joining us. So how did it go? Did you have difficulty completing any of the sections? Maybe you identified an area of your business you hadn't considered, whether a new type of customer or a competitor you didn't think of before. Keep in mind that this canvas is a living tool. Continuing to challenge yourself and key components of your startup will help you catch things early before you've invested time and money. Many times a founder develops an idea for a business from their own perspective. You see a problem, and you have an idea as to how to solve it. But your business doesn't serve you primarily, it serves your customer. And that's our focus today. Now that you have your idea, the next step is to test, iterate, and revise any assumptions you've made about your product or service to make sure that your solution is what a customer wants. How do you do this? Through a process we call customer discovery. This is simply talking with people who have the problem you're addressing and getting their feedback. Here's some tips to get the most out of your conversations. First, choose the right people. Sounds like a no-brainer, but make sure you talk to people who are actually experiencing the problem you've identified. Next, talk face-to-face. The more personable you are when talking to customers, the more valuable the feedback will be. A phone call or virtual meeting are a close second, but stay away from email and text messaging. Lastly, get stories. Yes or no answers won't give you much to go on when revising your idea you want to hear stories that will help you test your assumptions. So ask questions to learn how they have previously solved the problem and what they'd wish for in a new solution. All right, here's your field work. It's time to conduct your own customer discovery. Take the next month to identify and talk to a future customer each week and revise your idea based on what you learn. The most important thing here is to be open to change. There's no such thing as bad feedback. So take advantage of the opportunity. Good luck. And we'll see you next month.
1: With an influx of of new uh, people in our community comes a density and a diversity that we're starting to um, educate ourselves on as a as a as a city here in Sioux Falls. Especially, we're talking a lot about DE and I. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about um, you know I've I've visited Hutterite colonies. Mm-hmm. Um, there are Native communities surrounding you know rural you know mainly white communities. Um, what has that experience been like for you as you know a, a white woman especially walking in to a community of color like how are you how are you making inroads
2: there as well so when it comes to native communities they um, we work with them a lot on the financial capital side of mm-hmm. things We have partnerships with the native cdfis yep. um, uh, those types of things but uh, Lakota Vogel in yeah. uh, Eagle mayor She's amazing. Unbelievable. So they have built um, an entrepreneur incubator Mm -hmm. there. And I think she has space for seven. And one of those spaces is like a restaurant space. So, um, you know, we partner with people like her to make sure she has the capital that she needs. A lot of times it's hard for us to break in from a a capacity building side Mm. um, just because we need someone from... From their community to be yeah. alongside us, if we're we're going to go in, absolutely. That way. But um, the partnerships are are great in Indian Country. The other thing we're seeing, like Huron, is an example yeah. where they have a lot of Korean, right? Mm-hmm. And um, they have embraced the diversity in their community. From it comes to housing or helping them um, access transportation, the community rose up, mm-hmm. and now you know, over the last decade we're seeing a lot of those folks open their own businesses. They came here to work in in one industry yeah. and are now spinning off and starting up restaurants and grocery stores and, you know, other things that their community needs yeah. with with and they they've blended in. It's really made uh Huron, I think, a stronger community Fantastic. um because of that diversity. But the same goes for like really small communities. So a lot of those small communities have dairies nearby mm-hmm. um, and Centerville, again, is one of those communities that they're at a softball game some night and they don't have a restaurant yeah. and they're talking to some people and they're like, "Well, oh, my wife, Maria, she'd love to open a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. Do you have a space? Well, we'll find a space for her and we'll help her get started and we'll give her a, a low lease payment, right. And let's get this going. And now she's opened two restaurants, one oh in goodness. Centerville and one in Beersford. So it, it there's an openness there absolutely, and a readiness for that kind of diversity and uh, inclusion. Absolutely.
1: In I feel like there are stories that are not being told, mm-hmm. you know, you're telling me all these things that I've, I had no idea. Um, is that part of your, uh, your mission and, and your programming is to, do Do you have a storytelling element to the organization and, and how are you getting the the word out about all of these
2: incredible businesses? Yeah, we do do stories for our quarterly newsletter. It's just okay. a digital newsletter. Um, it, and there's so many stories out there. <laughs> it's just hard, right. Yeah. To, to capture pick? all of them. Um, but over the years we do have quite a, a story bin, okay, um, and and um, we we work hard to try to get those communities to tell their own stories as well because it's well received um, when they're telling their own stories. And sometimes they're missed. Um, you know, I, I think about the the story when DeSmit in 2020 um, on April 1st, 2020, their newspaper headline was "This is it." And the publisher who'd been there for over 40 years published his last newspaper and didn't tell anybody, not even his employees until that week. And the community was in a panic. First, they thought it was an April Fool's joke. I was just going
1: to say it was (laughs) April 1st. Um,
2: And then when they realized, no, this is real. And he had been trying to sell the business. And it just, newspapers are another one of those dying entrepreneurial ventures in our communities that are so needed. So the Economic Development Corp stood up and said, we'll buy the newspaper, and had three weeks to discover how to publish it, or they would lose their license. And they figured it out, and 50 volunteers rose up in that community. And now they employ five part-time people, Mm -hmm. but they found someone in their community who had worked for the LA Times, you know, and now they publish weekly a 36 page newspaper.
1: Wow, 36 pages, 36 page that's unprecedented. Newspaper.
2: Just stop there sometime. It's like amazing wow. the stuff that's in there. It, it's, And they partnered with a neighboring community uh-huh. like Preston to make this happen too, yes. which was another thing that was a positive. But that story hit Land, and that's all great and fine, yeah. but there's still people that don't know that story across the state. Um, you know, So how do we keep telling these stories? Uh-huh. And to, to us, sometimes they're like, well, that's old news. I was like, two years ago. <laughs> um, but it's, it's still a grand story. I, I think sometimes we have to help people hear yeah. the story and make it relevant, yep. Yep. no matter where you are. Absolutely. Like, that's a big, big deal. And that story honestly caught the um, attention of James and Deb Fallow James writes for the Atlantic Magazine, and they became friends of Dakota Resources during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike Knudsen actually reached out to him on Twitter, to James, and um, they started talking. And Deb still shows up for coffee breaks once a week, (laughs) once in a while, and they came... To South Dakota, because yep. this is where their book, Our Towns, started. Mm-hmm. And they visited DeSmit to, to for three or four days when they were here last summer. And um, they're interested in those types of things. How do we sustain journalism? Right. Journalism is an entrepreneurial venture. You bet it is. And how do we help our communities um, keep their local newspaper? Yep. If If anyone thought there was a lack of ideas...
1: I hope we've spurred some, (laughs) some ideas here today. Um, what, what are your expectations? What are you looking to get out of this, this, uh, program that we're implementing? And it's not just, the co-starters platform, it's, you know, bringing in all of these resources from the the SBA and all of our other incredible economic development partners across the state. Um, what, what are your hopes? What are your goals out of these, these two years that we have to implement this programming and where
2: do we go from there? Yeah. So one of our focus areas is entrepreneurial support systems. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's probably, uh, the least pursued. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurial support systems are the least pursued because no one knows where to start. Um, We're now creating a starting point for them, Mm -hmm. right? We're we're able to say, here's co-starters. Let's train somebody up in your community and let's just try this. Let's just pilot it, right? This is a chance for us to start, it's a chance for us to fail. It's a chance for us to succeed. Whatever it is, we're gonna learn and we're gonna start creating that ecosystem yeah. in our communities where um, entre- entrepreneurs can feel supported. Right. Um, and I think the co-starter approach is the right approach for us right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it just strengthens the fact that um, ecosystems can be created in rural communities around entrepreneurship. It's not just about business attraction or creating jobs or um, those types of traditional economic development roles. Entrepreneurship fits in that in a big way. We just have to reframe some of how we think about it. And I think if we can kickstart that ecosystem of support around entrepreneurship and raise, kind of elevate the purpose, mm-hmm. um, I think we'll have a big win.
4: Welcome to the Business Minute, a recurring segment powered by the SBA where we'll share business facts and resources available to entrepreneurs throughout the U.S. Small Business Administration. This is Sadie Swear, Executive Director of SD CEO East Women's Business Center. Did you know there are roughly 12 million women-owned businesses in 2017, with 388.1 billion in payroll and 10.1 million employees? However, women remain underrepresented in small business ownership, as women-owned firms make up only 20% of all employer firms. Interested in starting a business or already own a business? There are many free resources available. One of those resources is SDCEO. SDCEO is a resource organization focused on empowering women in entrepreneurship across South Dakota by providing entrepreneurs with the resources they need to succeed. Along with free and confidential business consultations, SDCEO offers in-person workshops, online training courses, educational seminars, and networking opportunities. Learn more about SDCEO at bhsu.edu backslash SDCEO.
1: Um, I would assume, you know, obviously we've got critical mass here in Sioux Falls and out in Rapid City, um, but that the the rural communities, like you just mentioned, are working together. Um, So when you say create
2: an ecosystem, I assume you mean more than just one community. It's a way for those communities to connect. And we've learned that. Um, over the years that we're geographically set apart from each mm-hmm. other and if we can get those communities to bump into each other on a more regular basis in in Sioux Falls you have that opportunity Here's to part. bump yep. into people on a on a more regular basis yeah. um and in rural communities, we don't have that opportunity. We have to create that opportunity. And being able to do that virtually yes. and in person yeah. is really important because we need to build that relationship in person, at least to say, hey, remember when we met at that event? Mm-hmm. And when you're online, it's a, it's a it's different, different give and take. Trust is built mm-hmm. and you can create um, anything you need. With that kind of support, because the reality is, uh, someone else has already done it. Yep. You don't have to recreate the wheel. You just have to find out who's done it, and then frame it up for how you need it to be done in your community. Okay. And um,
1: how do you see Sioux Falls and Rapid City playing a role in the success of rural communities? What can we be doing better, and what are we
2: doing well now? Yeah. So. Um, Sioux Metro Growth Alliance, right, is great partners Mm -hmm. um, in the Sioux Falls region for our rural communities and it it just ties it, it it brings uh, us all together. Um, I think seeing the success of the communities and the struggles Mm -hmm. with the communities around Sioux Falls has really helped some of our other communities in the outlying geographic areas of South Dakota to learn as now they're seeing some influx of people moving into their community. Yep. So it, it's really helped to say, okay, Lennox or Hartford, how did you deal with this mm-hmm. at that time? Or how do we get developers to move outside of Sioux Falls and Rapid City into our rural places? Mm-hmm. And it's starting to happen. They're starting to see that kind of um, movement. Uh, Elevate Rapid City, Tom Johnson has just been a great friend as well of our rural communities and willing to just share and to provide ideas and provide access to whatever experience he's had over the years. Our community and economic development blueprint that I talked about yesterday um, came from him. And awesome. and he said, I didn't create it on my own, right? I probably <laughs> stole the idea from someone else. Go ahead and make it your own and, and modify it how you need it. And it has been a light bulb moment for a lot of our communities to look at how does economic development and community development need to work together? Mm-hmm. It's not a one or the other. Um, it's really tying it throughout. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. My last question for you is, what is your favorite rural business? My favorite rural business. Uh, So my favorite rural business, I could name a lot of them. but
1: (laughs) I know you could. Um, (laughs) That's a tough question to answer, I'm sure.
2: (laughs) uh, Britain uh, is in my, it's the county seat in, in my home county, Marshall County. They have an abundance of women-owned business on their main street. It, it, it kind of just organically happened, but it's very interesting to me that you can walk up and down their main street. And whether it's the insurance agency or the coffee shop or the chiropractor or the massage therapy, they're women in business. But my favorite business is called Dizzy Blondes. <laughs> and it was started by a mom and a daughter on Britain Main Street, and it's a kitchen supply business. Like, um, you go in there, and there's any kind of kitchen gadget you would like, and over the years, they've expanded, and they've added kind of a nice toy area um, with really high-quality toys and gift items, and they have a little bit of a boutique area, but it started just around this Kitchen business, and you think, okay, we're a town of thirteen hundred people. How is a kitchen business going to really work in Britain Main Street? And it is a destination, really. So it attracts people from the the lakes region in the summer when people are, you know, hanging out at sure. the lake and sure. living up there. And people will just come to Britain's Main Street for the day, and they'll shop at Dizzy Blondes. They'll shop at. Um, the hh design they'll go to cups for lunch you know they'll it there's just all these things and so it's my favorite one sounds like i need to go on a road trip with you you do
1: (laughs) let's do it paula
2: i i I, I made a whole list one time i called them uh 605 road trips um and there's a ton of them right like i could send you in lots of different directions across rural south dakota cool (laughs) I'm
1: pumped. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your passion for rural. It it exudes out of you. I can feel it. Um, I'm. I'm. Proud to hear that your family, your, your sons moved back and they're giving back to their communities. You're a success story in itself. So thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to go on this journey with you with the Navigators program. And who knows where we're going to go from here. But I I think the future is pretty bright.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: we're excited about it. Yeah. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for joining us for Start Dakota. Visit our website at startupswhofalls.com To subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend to rate our show on iTunes. If you are a founder and aspiring entrepreneur, you can get started by visiting our website at startupswhofalls.com slash start. Start Dakota is made possible by funding from the U.S. Small Business Administration. With this funding, Startup Sioux Falls is piloting an expanded version of its co-starters business accelerator program and providing additional resources to support underserved founders start with startups who falls